Hi, preheaters. It's Andrea in Olympia, Washington. Welcome to the fourth of our five August Quick Bite episodes. In the time-honored tradition of summer vacation, Stefan and I are taking a few weeks off and preparing the show for the busy fall baking season. But fear not. We're taking turns hosting bite-sized episodes to see you through the dog days of summer. In years past, we've tackled everything from five-ingredient bakes to our individual passions of jam making and baking on the barbecue. This year, we're TCB, that stands for Taking Care of Baking, to tackle some of our 20 for 20 baking resolutions. So this week, I'm finally going to tell you what I have done to develop a cake batter recipe. So grab yourself an iced coffee and get ready for some short and sweet talk. Listeners, if you listen to episode 144, I was raving about the taste of raw cake batter. Now, I know I'm not supposed to eat raw batter, so I thought it would be smart if I tried to find a recipe that could duplicate that cake. I had originally become fascinated with raw cake batter way back in episode 122 when we made that wonderful over-the-top orange marmalade cake, and I just couldn't get the flavor and the texture of that cake batter out of my mind. So first, I looked into the science of cake batter. What exactly is cake batter flavor? And all of the scientists that I read came to a consensus that it usually includes flavors of vanilla, nuts, and butter. And it's actually a pretty complex flavor profile, not something that's really simple to replicate. In fact, McCormick Spices changed their vanilla, butter, and nut flavor to cake batter flavor last year. And it was a name change only. They didn't change the formula or the recipe at all. So I think the trend of naming things with cake batter is popular, but the idea of making things that taste like cake batter isn't a new idea. And certainly bakers have been using these vanilla butter and nut flavorings to enhance their cake batters or other desserts for a long time. I started off by searching the internet for cake batter recipes. And one of the most popular was a Funfetti dip. And special thanks to listener Miranda, who sent me this recipe. I found it all over the internet. It seems like something people really like. I made two different recipes, and I have to say I wasn't a huge fan of either. Both included cream cheese, and I found the resulting dip a little bit too heavy and I don't know, (laughs) dip-like, and it was really missing that fluffy lightness of the cake batter that I was trying to replicate. Well, then along about a few weeks ago, I was making some no-churn ice cream. Now, listeners, you might know that Stefan became obsessed with Nigella's no-churn salted bourbon ice cream, Mm, either last summer or the summer before that, and I know she makes it regularly. I had not actually gotten around to it, and I finally did make it. Now, shockingly, it was not as huge of a hit with me, even though I absolutely love everything that's in that Nigella recipe. I think next time I make it, I will cut back on both the salt and the bourbon. I went with the maximum recommended amounts, which was two teaspoons of salt 
and three tablespoons of bourbon. And I found that it was just a little bit too salty and too bourbony, if you can believe it. I followed up that recipe with Nigella's No Churn Coffee Ice Cream. And oh my gosh, listeners, I can't even tell you how good this stuff is. It is so easy. It is only four ingredients. And it's just like heaven. If you love coffee, I promise you, you will love this ice cream. I will link to it in the show notes. And I've been making it all summer long. And as I was making it, because I make it either in the blender or in my stand mixer with the whisk attachment, I finally realized, you know, this is the texture I've been searching for, for my raw cake batter. It's light, it's fluffy, but it's still got that creamy, smooth mouthfeel. So I went back to the internet and I typed in no churn cake batter ice cream and boy, did I get some good results. I finally picked the recipe from good old America's Test Kitchen, because as you know, I feel like I can really trust their recipes, and they have a no-churn birthday cake ice cream that I went ahead and made, and it definitely fulfilled my cake batter cravings. So the ingredients are two cups of heavy cream, chilled, a cup of sweetened condensed milk, and that is basically one can of that half a cup of store-bought vanilla frosting, a quarter cup of whole milk, a quarter cup of light corn syrup, two tablespoons of sugar, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, a quarter teaspoon of table salt, an eighth of a teaspoon of yellow food coloring, and those ubiquitous two tablespoons of rainbow sprinkles. Listeners, here's my question. Why does anything that says cake batter or birthday cake have to have rainbow sprinkles? I don't know. It just seems to me that that's the bat signal for all birthday cakes. you got to have rainbow sprinkles. Anyway, this recipe is super easy. You process your cream in a blender until you've got some soft peaks. That takes about 20 seconds. You scrape down the sides of your jar and continue to process until you've got stiff peaks, about another 10 seconds. And then you just stir in that condensed milk, the frosting, the whole milk, the corn syrup, the sugar, the vanilla, the salt, and the food coloring. And then you process it all until it's thoroughly combined. It only took about 15 seconds in my blender. Now I have a Vitamix, which is one of those super high powered blenders, and I did not turn it on high speed. I used it on low speed and I never went above a five because I had heard that otherwise uh, you can maybe make butter <laughs> instead of ice cream. And that worked really well for me. Once you've got that mixture all incorporated, you pour it into an eight by eight pan and let it freeze at least six hours. I'm a ding dong. I forgot to put my sprinkles in. So I had to wait until it was completely frozen and then let it soften a little bit and mix the sprinkles in. But voila, I did get my cake batter fix. Now, was it exactly what I was looking for? You know, ultimately it wasn't. Uh, It still just didn't quite have that feeling of I don't know, fresh raw cake batter, but it didn't have any eggs. It can sit in my freezer. It was barely any work to make. So I'm going to count this one as a win. And again, thanks to all the listeners who sent me ideas for cake batter. And if you think of anything else, just keep it coming. Well, the timer's buzzed and I've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning and Stefan's up next week with our final quick bite of 2020. If you're in need of some summertime reading, pick up a copy of Lori Colwin's Home Cooking. That's going to be our September preheated book club pick. 
And remember, you can find all of our book recommendations on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. Stefan and I will be back refreshed and ready for fall baking with full episodes starting on September 7th. But in the meantime, consider catching up on any episodes you may have missed. There's nearly 200 of them. They're available wherever you get your podcast. And if you've got a little extra time this summer, please rank, review, and recommend us on your favorite platforms. If you'd like to receive an email every week with a link to the full show notes and recipes, visit our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Don't forget to join our Facebook community, Preheated, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where we're at Preheated Pod. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.